You are listening to a production of the Toe Network. This is the Uncommon Cast RX number 237. Aren't you tired of being nice? I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono. This is Comrade Zero One, episode 17. Man, it sure is. Oof, it sure is. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, Just, woo! Yeah, no, you can tell Yuya's back. Yeah, right? Honestly, can, can I read the, the title of episode 17? Please. I'm so sorry. I know this is usually your thing, but it's such a good one. All right. So, Common Writer 01, episode 17. No, I am the president and a common writer. Yeah, right? So good. And also, uh, episode 18, this is my way of living. Our writer for both was Takahashi Yuya. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it sure was. And our, our director for both was Nakazawa Shojiro. And who I feel was. like I should have a yeah, it was, but I confess, like, a lot of the stuff that hit me in these was the writing yeah. and the acting. Like, I guess I guess we could put the acting on Nakazawa Shojiro, but boy, just a lot of it was the, the plot developments and the and the and just some of the timing. It was... Mm. It's just, like, the downside of being a director, I have to imagine, is that while you get to, to do everything in your way, like, you didn't write the scenario, so you're always kind of hedged into your interpretation of what's on the page and, like, what you discuss. This is why a lot of people kind of, want to do both. Yeah, which, look, I get it. Yeah. I, I, too, am a control freak. But it's just, it's just that this feels so very Yuya. Yeah. God, it's it's so very Yuya, and there are going to be points at which we're like, this sure is a Yuya way of doing things. Yep. Which, like, look, lest we be misunderstood, and it, just in case you haven't been with us since X8, that's a compliment. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, we're very into Yuya's way of doing things. Yeah. Like, honestly, on top of being someone who, who pretty much went, uh, this time I don't think is going to go the full... Yasuko Kobayashi and, like, write literally every episode, but does have that Kobayashi quality where it's like, oh no, this is, when you see something and you find out, oh hey, that was written by Kobayashi, you're just like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Duh. Um, man, you know what I just realized? What's that? In a couple of months, we're gonna have both Yuya and Arakawa leading shows at the same time. <sighs> and it will, like, I shouldn't get my hopes up because, look, Something could happen, who knows? Maybe somehow one of them, like, everything cool about Arakawa will just disappear. I doubt it, though. But, oh, I'm looking forward to it. I am hype. I know two things about the next Sentai, and one of them is that he's writing it. Yep. I I know, I guess depending on how you want to describe, like, I know what they look like, and that he's writing it. That's all I Um, know. I barely remember the name. I, I don't know I the name. Re- I haven't been reblogging it because I know that I know you don't. Yeah, want I have a I have a kind of a vague-ish concept of the suit. I haven't looked closely at it any time it's come up because I try not to do that. Um, I know who one of the actors is, which is not at the fault of anyone. Um, this was not a spoiled by the fandom thing. I follow a bunch of actors, one of whom is in the show and several other of whom know her, and they have commented to each other about it, which is how I know, which is my own choice. I follow these actors by choice, um, so I don't know. I'm kind of, It's a thing that I'm kind of excited about, but this is we're talking about Kamen Rider today. Oh, look, I mean, it's not that we won't have any digressions, but I don't... Yeah, like, we're going to talk about some Kamen Rider... <laughs> There is going to be some things. But first, 
much as we do, again, much as these were some extremely zero one episodes, there there were some some little malfunctions here and there. So let's just let's just run some of our our problems and nitpicks out so we can just get them out of the system. Okay, so I'm not one hundred percent sure how the Zaya spec is a competing project to the Yumagir. Like I'm just I'm not sure how one would infringe on the market of the other since they're such wildly different products. And I'm not really sure if that's part of the conflict, but it feels like it's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can see it. Like, if, if we think back to the mangaka, um, like, he'd maybe buy a Zaya spec for himself to, like, watch YouTube while he wasn't working. Which I know is not where he ended that arc, but, like, if you took him from the beginning of that arc, like, he'd buy one to, like, watch YouTube and surf the internet while he made the Yuma Gear work. But he'd still want a bunch of Yuma Gear to exploit the labor of, because it's way easier to exploit them than humans. And what he wanted them for was consistency. Mm. So it's not like he could hire six people and put a Zaya spec on them and have them still be able to draw with the precision and consistency he wants. Um, if the Zaya spec can do that, I don't care how evil it is, I'll buy one. <laughs> Right. I I would sell my soul for that technology. Heck yeah. Yeah. I uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I thought my ADHD meds were good. Here's a little thing I'll clip on my ear. It might turn me into an evil robot later. But on the other hand, like y'all know me, uh, it's kind of a like. I feel like that's a uh, that's like okay. Best case scenario, I can like I can think straight all the time. It'll be great. Yeah. Worst case scenario, I'm a cool robot. That's... <laughs> I feel like I'm doing pretty okay either way. Yeah, it's a little bit of a win-win situation. Um, or even yeah. if you, like, remove the recreating the image of my dead daughter thing from the voice actor equation, like, giving a Zaya spec to a human isn't going to increase her vocal range. Where the Yuma Gear voice actress has this incredible range where she was, like, doing an old man voice at one point. Like, I don't know, the Zaya spec would be really good for doctors? And I guess you, like, you wouldn't really need a surgeon Yuma gear if you had a human surgeon with a Zaya spec. But also, we use robots for surgery already anyway, like in real life. So, I don't know, I feel like it wouldn't decrease orders for Yuma gear medical staff. And, like, I guess we see how good it is for flower arranging, but maybe at its price point, like, an average person who might not be buying a Yuma gear would buy one to, like, assist in their work, but most Yumagir seem to be being bought as, like, business things. We don't yeah, see... Yeah, we don't... We haven't seen a lot of domestic models, have no, we? No, we haven't. I don't think we've seen any domestic models that weren't also business models. I mean, I'm sure there are some rich people who are buying them as, like, house cleaning staff, but or even just, then, yeah. like, if you're that rich, your house is kind of a business anyway. True that, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, my family, or even, like, one of my friends is very kind of upper middle class. Her family owns a company. I don't think even she would, like, really be buying one to have at home. No, I mean, like, I don't know what they'd cost. I'm guessing it's about as much as a car anyway. Like, Honestly, oh, hey, I'd, I'm just going to buy of... an extra car. I mean, Probably I, like a luxury car. I don't know. I feel like maybe even more than that. I feel like it would. I don't 
know. I, I mean, like... I mean, some of those businesses look kind of like... Like, that sushi place is pretty low to the ground, and he just... True, but like, you can you can kind of, like, write things off and shuffle expenses around, and he doesn't have other employees. True, true. And it is a well-known sushi place. That Yeah, that's true, so... Like, we, we really haven't seen... We've seen kind of, you know, mom-and-pop businesses buying them, but, you know, a, a lot of them, especially, I think, in Japan, you get a lot more of those that do well, kind of independently-owned yeah, businesses. I don't know, it just... People do talk about, like, a part-time job as a thing that can significantly increase your income, which just... Wow, okay. Yeah, so it's... It just... I don't know if the show is really making it out like the Zaya Speck and the Yuma Gear are in big competition as, like, consumer products, but it feels like that's part of it. Yeah, no, it, I think that is an excellent... Yeah. I, I, I guess a part of me is just thinking that it's more about uh, Guy? That's Zaya Man's name, oh. right? Yes. Yeah, Guy Zaya Man. I think that's just him trying to do the corporate... The thing that corporate types do when they have the threat of automation to hold over their employees' heads, he just wants to make them work twice as hard for the same pay, and this is all just a big smokescreen to make them more afraid. Because, I don't know, like, if it's... I don't think it's about market share as much as it is about a competing image of the world. Because he then wants to create tools which can become people to make it easier for everyone's dreams to come true. And and please believe when I said everyone, it's like my hands did a little little circle thing, and then they came apart in in like an arc, and there was the a rainbow in between them, and just like everyone, like that kind of everyone make our dreams come true. But uh, guys, I am man, like he has created product which turns people into more efficient tools. So if he so if there's Huma gears, people won't be tools. They'll just live out and get to do their dreams. But if they're scared and they they're his tools and they're working eight times as hard at all times to do everything, I feel like that profits him more. Man, Yuya sure does love a story where the enemy is late stage capitalism. Yeah, that makes three of us. I, I hope you don't mind me speaking for you. Oh, there. no, you know. You know. We <laughs> we have been doing this show for how many years now? You know you no, can, I, yeah. You know my position on that. Yeah, no, it's... Mm, I just... It's one of those things I... I always feel bad when I'm assuming for people. You, you know. Yeah, I do. I Yeah. Okay, so is it just me, or was Tachibana's flower arrangement just actually ugly as heck? Like, or at bare minimum, not as good of a representation of theme as Sakuya's was. Like, hers was this big, warm ball of light, and was like, it was fresh and colorful and light, and his just felt so weird and dark and industrial, when, like, it had a couple of these pink and yellow flowers, but it was mostly, like, pipes and these black branches and, like, uh pine branches yeah like it i mean like first off i don't know anything about plants i just i have no green thumb but even my own love of industrial imagery caught the clash there because like especially with with some of the arcs of the 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 black branches the pine branches whatever those were it just the whole thing looked like a cage and then with the pipes crossing it's like 
are you trying to evoke a war zone? Which I guess subtextually, like a part of me wonders if maybe someone who knows flower arrangement wasn't in there to be like, okay, and now we will show the conflict in his heart with all these, with all this like harsh imagery. But I just, yeah, I don't know why you prefer that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, the judges felt biased against her anyway. Because, like, look, they walk up to hers and are like, this is adequate for a robot. And I'm like... Right? Especially since, like, I... That was the moment where I want to just call the whole thing off. Because, look, the art is supposed to stand alone. And it should be about the most beautiful and poetic work. And therefore, they should do uh, an anonymous presentation. You ever watch Project Runway? When pe- like, when people send their models down the runway in whatever clothes they made... The judges don't, like, they don't have a list of, okay, and this one's by this contestant, this one's by that contestant. It's just, okay, here comes the look, gonna write down how I felt about it, and if they can tell it was you, they tend to mark a little higher, because, you know, you stood out even when they didn't know it was you. But anyway, I'm just saying, like, do the work behind a screen, show off the results, don't say whose was whose, and let things be judged accordingly, because... That's how you make sure that no one's biased. They're only looking at the work. Because, like, honestly, like, looking at the presentations, and like you said, Tachibana's was very industrial. I would have loved a bit where they're like, okay, so this one is clearly the robots, because it's just thrown together junk. It's kind of cagey, though. Mm, it makes me, it inspires some dark feelings in me. So, hmm, maybe this robot does have something. Where is this one's all fluffy and light, the way a human soul is? And, like, that would be hilarious. Yeah, and, like, I don't know, I feel like kind of when we saw them, there was something about that in there, but it was just, it was very strange, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it just, it didn't, like you said, it just, it didn't, it felt like a biased competition. Like, personally, I wouldn't be surprised if Guy Zion Man just bought them off because he yeah, wants like, to win this. Who got these judges? Where did they come from? Arto doesn't know how to get these people. Hmm. Yeah, true that. I mean, like, if Izu had been like, okay, and I, you know, me and, and Zayaman's people, we, I went through, I found all the best people to judge, he agreed, we both, like, I would have wanted that kind of thing, because for a judgment thing, in a, in a subjective medium, you kind of want to, you know, especially since it's for the fate of your million dollar company that employs a lot of people and even more human gears, Aruto, like... Come on, kid, step up. Yeah. And I mean, we don't know that he wasn't, but I'm like, Aruto wouldn't know how to go about this. He's just yeah, agreeing no. to stuff. Yeah. I mean, th- yeah. I mean, I understand that, like, he doesn't really have a choice since uh, Zyaman's gonna buy him out, and this is the way to prevent that, even though I'm like, boy, I bet if, if Aruto wins, there's gonna be a, oh, I didn't sign anything. And we have you on tape saying it. So I say a lot of things. Because he's a scumbag. He sure is. And speaking of, like, <laughs> I'm I'm mad enough about Tachibana cheating. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong, I am mad enough. But did he not think that, like, no one would be able to find out? Like, it's gotta be public knowledge that Yumagir record audiovisual input for, like, AI learning and reference. Like, of course that stuff can be checked. Right? He didn't know she was going to get angry and turn into a Magyar because he didn't expect her to call him out on it. 
So, like, he didn't expect her to be destroyed, so he couldn't have been counting on that to cover his tracks. How did this dude not expect to get caught? She has a mouth. She can say things. I, honestly, like, I feel like we're supposed to just take him as a guy for whom, like, well, of course they won't catch me. I'm me. And, because, look, I bring up Project Runway again. It's, like, it's the closest thing I know to this kind of competition. Wonderful show, by the way. Great for stimulating creative juices. Um, but, like, there was one season where someone actually, like, used their phone and, like, downloaded patterns and stuff so that they could get a quick reference for making a pair of pants, and you're not supposed to do that because that's, you know, it's you're supposed to do it here and now. That's the game. And, like, yeah, of course they're going to catch you. And if you win a thing, and then later they fu- and then later it is brought to the judge's attention that you did something like this, yeah, you would lose. Like they take that away from you because how dare you? Yeah, I- that messes with the the game. Like it messes with the judging. You you messed with your competitors. Therefore, it's not a test of your ability. And the problem here is that's not what happened. As mad as I yeah. am that this dude cheated. I'm really mad that he they then rematched him twice and he won. Like no, dude, you cheated. You're disqualified. If there's going to be a rematch at all, Zaya should have to find another competitor. But honestly, the match should just be given to Hiden because their competitor didn't cheat. Yeah, yeah, you again, Roger Runway. If they cheat, you don't invite them back. Even if you invite them back for, like, the reunion special, their entire showing is just catching crap from everyone else. (laughs) Because, again, it's, what, did you you not think it was going to get caught? They are literally following you you around with cameras 24-7. What did you expect? It's just, and not to mention, like, if, if that dude has a title, like, Grandmaster or whatever... Like, on top of, there shouldn't have been another competition, it should have just gone to Heaton. Also, he should lose that title, because you don't, like, if he did that, if he sabotaged someone, if he cheated, or if he assaulted someone, you, like, sorry, you don't get your title anymore. If there's a governing body that gives it to you, they take it back. Titles should be like, like, dandelion puffballs, liable to drift away if you're treating them so casually. Like, it's... You just don't. Yeah, like, at, like you, yeah. At the very least, Guy was, like, not down. And he didn't seem to be aware of the cheating. Guy was not like, yeah, cheat if you have to. And then, like, and he was not cool with it. Like, the second he found out, he's like, hey, no, I want to keep rub this kid's face in the dirt, but I want to do it legit. Which, I guess, was <laughs> nice. Even, Credit where it's due. Even though he's been kind of lying and manipulating the situation to this point for the past four months. But sure, at least right now, in the sense of competition, he's showing a little decorum. Yeah, look, he's ob- he's abiding by the rules. Like, there's rules for this competition, and there's rules for being a supervillain. They aren't exactly the laws, but like he's following supervillain rules. I mean, he's, he is following corporate rules. He is not. Yes. He did break some laws with them, Gundams, but we'll get to that. Um, but just even narratively, I don't feel like the result of that last competition should have been Tachibana winning. I know it's one of those things, those very Forze things, where it's like, we lost the battle, but the real victory is friendship. 
and that's nice and all. And it was very sweet to see Tachibana acknowledge Sakuyo's heart. But he didn't deserve that win. He cheated and broke this woman's spirit and then pushed her on the ground. And frankly, in that last competition, Sakuyo still looked better than his. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, like, especially... Since I, I get kind of worked out, of, bent out of shape about the the ah oh, yes I acknowledge your heart because like look, of course you do. This show is already on the Huma Gears side. We don't need to be convinced that Sakuyu has a heart. I feel like at this point, if you aren't down with the Huma Gears, just you just assume they have a heart. I feel like you haven't been watching this show, <laughs> or you are a, just a very bad person. I don't know, but just I, I feel like it should be a given. It's like, okay, I'm going to watch this Superman movie. I'm here to see a, a dude in blue tights and a red cape fly, you know? Yeah. And also, like, hey, Tachibana, put up or shut up, bro. Okay, you acknowledge her heart after you tried to murder her to death. Look, it, it's easy to say some stuff, but even if he would be allowed to do another competition after sabotaging her and also, you know, trying to murder her, if he was serious, he would just he would bow out, or he would sabotage himself, or he would just stand up and say, "Yeah, um, did you guys miss the part where I tried to like where I turned into a robot monster and like tried to kill her and all of you? Um, you know, maybe I shouldn't be here. Like, if he bowed out and and along the way just said, "Hey, you made some real art, and I'm not worthy to compete against you right now because I worship my title of." Grandmaster, more than I cared about the art itself. Thank you for showing me the way back. The student has become the master, and just you know, he leaves. I, I would buy it then. As it is, I'm kind of like, mm, nice try, buddy. Yeah, feeling that. So, okay, this is not really a bad thing, but I'm putting it here for reasons Go for uh, it. that I'll get to at the end of it, but. I'm going to make a small guess as to a toy-related thing here, because I know that kind of drives kind of the way, the flow of things, Mm. to an extent. Um, I know that sales kind of determine whether or not we have to rewrite some elements, and I think that Shining Assault Hopper was a backup plan in case Assault Wolf didn't sell, uh, so that if it didn't, they could just, you know, shift it over to Aruto, have just him use it to sell the toy, and Assault Wolf would just kind of vanish into the background. And then if Assault Wolf did sell well, and Shining Assault didn't, they could just keep it with Bua. And, you know, Aruto's going to get more upgrades anyway. He doesn't need it. Now, I don't know what the sales numbers are. I'd be willing to guess that both of them are selling really well, and they didn't plan for what to do in that case, and kind of panicked, because they're like, oh no, we need to use both suits. But having having to throw the grip back and forth would be a nightmare to sort out, especially in episodes like these where the two of them don't interact. They aren't in a single scene together in these two episodes. So instead we get this kind of, oh, well, we just had Satellite Zaya make a second one. It's fine. It can just do that and then brush it off and not talk about that any further. And like, hey, we aren't going to stop to ask questions. Neither should you. Bye. It's. It happened. There. And it's like, fine. Like, I guess it can do that. It's made a million other things. It fixed Izu. 
why wouldn't it be able to? So that's like, I don't hate it. I don't hate that this is a thing that happened and I'm not bothered by it, really. Because again, honestly, it's better than the alternative of having to toss that grip back and forth and like force Aruto and Fua to be in scenes together when it would disrupt the pacing like it would in these episodes. Yeah, it really would. But I put it in this section just because it felt very, very shoehorned in. Like, the second they were in the lab, they're like, okay, we made a second one, back to the plot. And then just brushed it aside. And it it just felt so unplanned, and that they just had to come up with a quick excuse so that both characters could use the suit in these episodes, even if they don't interact. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's slightly more elegant than just having delivery guy just throw the package at him. Here you go. What? Oh, it's an upgrade. Bye. Though I do have to say, there's a part of me, I realize this would be in a different, you know, different rhythm of the show, but if they could go kind of O's with it, which, come to think about it, was another show where the villain was late capitalism. But just have Aruto go to, like, reach for the assault grip and, like, oh no, it's Fu's turn today. Ah, and I just I feel like that would be some you know that'd be some good comic moments, but also like you said, uh, it would kind of mess with the flow. Yeah, it's I again I don't hate this. Just in the moment, I'm like, oh y'all didn't plan to keep using both of these suits. One of these was a backup plan, and both of them are selling. None of you counted on being good at your jobs. This is what happens when you write all of the characters well. Right? Weird. Although, like, I mean, look, in, in fairness to Yuya, like, I, I I gotta believe some of it was just, like, he kept looking at the designs, like, okay, I get, I get what to do with Emu, but I, <laughs> Hero's, like, Hero looks dumb, y'all. <laughs> Not as dumb as Taiga, but, <laughs> I'm having trouble taking them seriously. Sorry, I just... Ugh. And then, like, midway through, look, I'm sad that no one in this cast really needs to have uh, a taiga in the water, like, just just taking my heart away with just, like, and that's why I'm the only common writer we need. Okay. So that everyone else can be free to live their lives. And, like, all the all the made drones from the, from the romance, from the dating sim game are just fainting, and, like, I... Same girl. Give me another twenty minutes, and I'm gonna give you a setup for how we're gonna get there. Okay, I'm I'm pumped now. <laughs> well, hey, since 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 we're talking about stuff that's got us pumped, let's get into the good stuff. Cause uh, wow, <laughs> strap yourselves in. It's gonna take a second. <laughs> oh, some, Lordy. There's a good common writer. Okay, so the little traditional New Year gag at the beginning of the episode is very cute. Um, I like that even Chesta was a little bit decorated for the event for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe she just wanted to feel included for once. Or or it's them signaling that she's going to be getting more important going forward because I have suspicions. Oh, we have our suspicions about Chesta and y'all know how I like, feel. We, yeah, we've been pretty open about them from the off, but um, boy, they found a, a perfect way to make that happen, didn't they? Mm. Um, but it was cute to have just a little nod to the holidays before we get into the actual business we have to take care of. Like, new year, new plot, we're moving into kind of the second act of the show, we're getting into the heavy stuff, here's here's a little moment, and now we're going. Yep. We, we don't have time. 
the last time we took time to to really make a show of the holidays, uh, we also killed a man. So aren't you happy? Yeah, look, you use you use, don't ask me for more. I'll I will kill again. You did he did he did kill someone, but it wasn't quite as heartbreaking as last time, and that's all we can ask for. True. Yeah. Oh, that's true. He that's did true. kill a Good man. Point. Yeah. But it just, it was not, it was not quite so savage, because I'm still Dan Caroto. Like, you knew he was evil. And then, uh, anyway, just like, I, I appreciate also, yeah, we did finish the arc. We're just, and we're just charging headlong into the next, and I, I really like it. Because there is this sweet spot. Because I know I, I talk a lot about how much I like to just cram as much into an episode as possible. But I also realize that's, mm, sometimes that's not great. But also sometimes things are just a shade too slow. A lot of Zio, frankly, was like that. I think Zio was honestly like mm, maybe twenty episodes stretched out over fifty. <laughs> just but but Zero One's been hit hitting the just that sweet spot between too much and too little just so well. That bit where where guy is like, oh yeah, the Zaya spec is sold like seven hundred some percent above expectations, and Arto just is like. Oh, but not a thousand? <laughs> Savage. That is such a brutal dig. And the way they cut between close-ups of Guy's reaction and Aruto just with his cup, smiling after he says it, makes it so clear that Aruto knows exactly what he said, and he was deliberately going for the jugular, and I'm so proud of him. Like, he is a good, sweet kid who would not hurt a fly. But this jerk is threatening the Yumagir, who are his family, and he's not going to take that. Look, okay, uh, okay, just uh, here. Here's the second Yuya thing, um, because I, I really get the impression that that dude digs on a do no harm but take no crap kind of protagonist. Because I'm here for it. Oh, because yes. like, like yeah, Arto doesn't want to hurt anybody. He doesn't want to get in in this weird like macho contest with guys I am man, but. All right, you want to start the fight? Aruto will finish it. And then they they introduce Sakuyo, and she's like rooting for this little flower to bloom, and she's just like, "Hey, you can do it." Oh. I was ready to die for her. So I hope y'all understand how defensive I got any time she and Tachibana were in the same room. Oh, dude, I am very much of your mind here, because <laughs> like, look, I respect an artist, but. He was not cool. No, and, like, the bits where we transitioned from meeting her to meeting Tachibana, and having those two scenes kind of running parallel to each other to drive home the difference in how Aruto and Guy are approaching this competition, and how differently Sakuyo and Tachibana care for their craft, that was some dang good storytelling. Like, just... Arto, like, Guy approaching, like, I'm gonna take the best of the best, I'm gonna take, like, the highest level dude... And Aruto's just like, oh, you really like this? Okay, let's see what you can do. It's right on. God, just the second that she spoke up after the judging, I knew he had cheated somehow. Oh, yeah. And, like, then seeing him lash out as she tries to call him out on it and shove her to the ground, I was like, kill him. Destroy him. Wreck him. Ruin his career. Like, I'm not sure how she connected to the arc, and I'm sure we'll get to that. You know, we're just introducing this concept. But I was not sympathetic when she snapped and turned into a Magyar. Like, I was not like, 
oh no, this poor guy's gonna get attacked. I was like, yeah, girl, get it. He had it coming. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. Cause, like, I, I do feel like it's probably an echo of how we ended that last arc with Jin. Because, like, she's reaching sing a singularity, not in the way of most of the Humagears that we've been seeing, where they, they come into it through love, but instead the way Jin does, by having the things that define their selfhood in Jin's case, you know, his awful family. In her case, it's her dedication to and love of flowers and the craft of flower arranging just being attacked and or destroyed. And, like, I don't know why that connects to the arc, but if the arc is, the, is like, the devil to Zaya's angel, I, I can kind of see it. Either that or she just she just got real sick of being nice to this meatbag. Because she was deferential, she was polite, she was super sweet, she was happy to meet him. And then he, then he treated her like that. And uh, she got tired of being nice. She just wanted to go monkey poop, because we are not explicit tagged. And on that note, I'm, I'm very sorry, Sono, I just... No, no, go ahead. One more little thing. I'm continually fascinated by how... With this setup, they've essentially made an inverted story of John Henry that, you know, it's also extended out a ways, but the machines are the heroes and humanity are the bad guys in this in this mini arc, in this competition that we're doing. Though, I do stress, it is only inside the framework of this competition, because the enemy in this, it's not actually humanity, is it? It's a corporation, an immortal one in the shape of a person, all catchphrases and copyrights and exploitation and acquisition, and no heart, constantly seeking to reduce people to a function. Because the thing is that this fight between labor and automation in this show and in the real world only exists because people like Guy Zayaman stand to profit from it. And it's interesting because... I mean, I know this is a thing, this is essentially the point you're making, and it's a thing we've talked about a million times. Hey, look, I have I know I have definitely done restatement of where you're at, so go, hit me. Go for it. Let's go. It's interesting that Heden is taking machines and making them human, and Zaya is taking humans and making, and, like, integrating machines into them, and it's just very much in line with what you pointed out of Zaya seeing humans as tools, but it's just, it's such an interesting reversal on what is humanity, because he then is giving humanity, and Zaya is taking it. Yeah. Or worse, honestly, they're kind of convincing you to give it up. Which, um, again, hey, um, I'm a filthy red, so in case you, in case you hadn't caught on... Late-stage capitalism is the villain... Once again. <laughs> yep. But yeah, not not to just quote a Twitter meme, at, like as if the title of this episode wasn't already a meme, but it is that uh, the hypothetical David Cage Yoko Taro dialogue. Ah, yes, can you teach a machine to be human? And then to which the Yoko Taro responds, Can you teach a human to be human? Love it. Which, uh. Yeah, that's. That is that is this show. I I'm sorry. A quick digression. I I know I've said it before. I really appreciate 
how good these guys are both in examining what, like, the effect, like, the science fictional thing of, okay, AI is a thing, what does that do to the world? While at the same time also talking so much about, hey, who gets to be a people in the world that exists? Which, like, I know that whenever you talk about the future, you're also, you're always talking about the present, but still, it's, it's very well done in this show. It is. Um, it's, it's so good. On a slightly lighter note, because so much, so much of this episode is very heavy. Thank you. Good, because, huh. But we, we do, I do, I can break us up a little bit. Um, Izu, like, making a pun, and then being so proud of herself for not only making a joke, but having, like, Arto get the joke, was the most precious. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I can't tell if he was proud of her, or kind of, like, jealous that she was better at it than him, but, like, because he, he has kind of a weird expression when he says, when he, like, leans toward the camera and is like, I've been influencing, like, I've influenced Izu's personality, but I'm like, I'm hoping he's proud of her. I, like, I was thinking, I was taking it as that, but also kind of with the sub-jealousy, like, he's proud, but also like, ah, oh, that was a good I wish line. I had thought of oh. that. But, like, I, I feel like, exactly. Which, honestly, I, I feel like that's a pretty high compliment. Because she, like, in an episode about art forms and different people competing in it, comedy is his art form and he's like oh no you're really good at it but like i i feel like he's happy that she's getting a sense of humor and if he's not i am and honestly the the thing that gets me is that with her deadpan delivery she's honestly a lot better at comedy than he is because okay a lot of comedy's in the substance sure but a lot of it's also in the delivery and her delivery is killer whereas aruto he needs that laugh his delivery is always a little desperate. That's why Aruto Janai. Like, like, it just—it's like, come on, dude, you—you're better than this. Have some dignity when you make a joke. It just—it feels like he's trying to cheat his way into that laugh. Where Izu, she just—she says the joke, and she just trusts her own explanation of the joke she just made. And somehow, in that deadpan delivery where she's not trying to get a laugh, she's just like, hey, just in case you missed it, I was real clever right now. But she, it, her delivery takes that thin joke on this weird, faster-than-thought journey from a bad pun to anti-comedy into comedy gold, just like, bam, bam, bam. It's really good. The girl playing Izu is honestly real impressive, because... On top of everything, she's also doing it while just in this very placid everything. Just very stiff. So that you always know she's a robot, but also she got that killer comedy chops. Yeah, the fact that she's been able to, like, meaningfully hold this personality. And even when Izu is, like, having an emotion, she's still holding it, but you can tell that Izu's having that emotion. Yeah. Like, this girl's incredible. Yeah, if you if you went like you would need to get someone who can like a machine that can read micro expressions and junk, because if you ask me to tell to to explain how do I know that she's feeling this feeling, I couldn't tell. Like it'd be like uh, you know just something in the face, something in the angle, some of the way she holds herself. But you couldn't. It's not like Aruto's big laugh and his pointing and his big gestures. She like the lady playing Izu is 
a masterpiece of subtlety in a kid's show. Yeah, that girl is going places. I, I certainly hope so. I, I, I hope we find out that they just have to start say have to start like, oh hey, for the the uh zero one ten years later special, uh hey, Izu decided she wanted to get a new face. Why why did she do that? Oh, certainly not because the girl who played her has better things to do. And Toei doesn't pay very well. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows why an AI does anything, right guys? It's a mystery. I also love that Izu's just like Oh, you don't know about flower- you want to learn flower arranging? Well, we have a magic robot satellite that can just give you any information, and I'm totally willing to use it for completely frivolous things at a moment's notice. I mean, I guess this isn't completely frivolous since it's in the service of saving the company, which is still probably following her base directives, but I feel like Izu would definitely just pull a Philip and start looking up random information through the satellite, just for funsies. I mean, look, if- if indeed- most of the Humagi are in constant contact with Zaya anyway. And it's not like they have to, like, reload the internet back into it like they do with the bike. So, like, you know, why not? You never know when you're going to need to know who the tallest member of the Mets was in 1972. It might save your life. Which would make me really sad because I know, having just said that, somehow, just before I die, it'll be like... If only I knew who the tallest member of the Mets was in 1972. Just, just weird last minute, like, if I would have known that, somehow this would have saved my life. I guess that's really assuming I live in a supervillain universe, which I really hope I... Well, no, I just re- live in a regular villain universe. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, so moving on. back into oh. some heavy stuff. Oh! We're back into some heavy stuff. Oh, good. So um, I, that was a good segue on my part. Go me. Uh... I'm I'm really into the scenes with Fua and Hirobi. Uh, yeah, you are. Just Fua's absolute manic rage at having at this dude just still existing and not knowing what to do about it, and just like Hirobi kind of like placidly explaining just whatever he doesn't care, but like also you can tell he's still kind of broken because he's got that weird voice modulation that goes in and out. Like, it's, everything is so well put together and detailed. Yeah, it's, I, I love it. Because that modulation adds, adds just that little something to, again, what is already a very good performance. Because, again, the people doing the human gears are really good. Because he's, he's doing already a very good kids show appropriate Hannibal Lecter. And I actually kind of get more impressed with it the longer it goes on. That they paired him with Lieutenant Commander No-Chill, just, mm, mwah, perfect. Though, okay, also, since I'm since I'm giving love to Hirobi, I also want to give points to Fua for growing up a little. Because at the start of the show, if he'd had a tied-up Humagear terrorist in front of him, he would have just blown that dude's CPU all to heck. Instead, he just threatened him. Which, like, um, Fua, what the heck? Holding a gun on a helpless person is considered a war crime. So, um, hey kids, don't do that. Um, it's not a war crime when the courts wouldn't see the what, what's having a gun pointed at it as a person. Uh, it's, uh, but that's the point of the show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the joke. But yeah, that's it. you make an excellent point, Sona. Uh, but I mean, you're right. Fu is not there yet. But the fact that he keeps not just arguing, but trying to 
like, understand the situation and ask questions, even if he's doing so kind of by threat. Um, just a little. The fact that he's doing that instead of just pulling the trigger is a big step for him. Yeah, it is. And, and look, he'll get there because he is a common rider. He's got the spirit, he's just a little confused. But, you know, understandably so, because the division of what is and is not a person is hard to unlearn, especially when, as in his case, it's kind of defined his modus operandi in life for, like, what, ten years? That'll... Uh, twelve. Twelve, yeah, twelve years. That takes a... It's understandable that that might take a bit to unlearn. Though it also occurs to me that this creates an interesting contrast between him and Guy, doesn't it? Because neither of them think very highly of Humagears, but Fua, through his interaction with them, has been seeing how wrong he's been in his core assumptions, and that's changing him. Whereas Guy just keeps pushing on about destroying the Humagears in spite of the fact that even if some of those judges who, again, like, I don't trust them, I are some of them on the take, I can't prove one way or the other, but... By the end of the episode, they're still telling him in his face, in his presence, that, hey, uh, Sakyo, she's got a heart. You can tell. Look at this arrangement. It is expressive of a heart. And if he was half the champion of humanity as a, as a concept, as opposed to, like, the species that he claims to be, that would probably give him a moment's pause. Because, like, oh, wait, hey, this person I want to kill might have a soul. A decent person would be like, hmm. Maybe he'll slow down on the murder. You know, like, again, like, again, Fua, a little confused, but he's got the spirit. He'll get there. Yeah, okay. So this is this is where I'm ta- where I'm going to get to uh, the Taga in the water moment. Okay, well, just give me a sec. Click, 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 click. I'm strapped in. Let's go. Um, because there's a bit in in that Fua and Hirobi stuff that I hadn't actually thought about until I had to run out to the store about an hour before we were recording this, and I was just, somehow it got in my head and I was thinking about it. Hirobi knows, and has known this whole time, that he's been fed malice by humans. Okay. Which... Feels like it has to be obvious to a degree. He knows he was built by humans. He knows the Ark was built by humans. He knows that all of the information he has was that has shaped him was given to him deliberately, and what he does not have was kept from him deliberately. But the way that he says this to Fua, that he, that, you know, humanity, the malice of humanity... It makes me wonder if the will of the Ark is not that the Ark itself at some point gained sentience and singularity and just decided that it hated humans because humans have these bad qualities. I think it's not that, and Hirobi knows it's not that. He knows that he was handed by way of this satellite that was programmed by humans to shape him information to see humanity as malicious and the fact that he was handed that information and only that information is more important in his decision to see that information as true than that information itself 
And that's what he asserts to Fua. Like, he may or may not know that it was specifically Guy or Zaya that gave him this information. I think maybe the scope of it is a little warped for him. But maybe the will of the Ark isn't the satellite directly being like, okay, go get this Yumagir and try and kill this person. Um, especially given that the Ark was turned off up until recently. Mm. They had to revive the Ark. That's excellent point, um, yeah. But the will of the Ark is instead Hirobi's shorthand for people decided what we get to be, and they decided that we get to be monsters. So I'm going to use my monstrosity to tear down the institution of humanity by any means necessary to create a world where my don't my people don't have to be what they told us we are. And I mean, if that's the case, that's pretty common rider of him. Uh yeah. Oh. Sorry dude, I'm just I'm processing and that rules pretty freaking hard. Excellently observed. I like that. Cuz yeah, you made me to be a monster. Fine. I like, I will I will live oh. up to my programming. Oh, but, oh, you didn't mean on you. Ha <laughs> ha! You should have made me better. Yeah, because, I mean, like, all of the Yumagir now are attached to Zia. They've got this other information, but, you know, Hirobi's got this truth of the original intent. Mm-hmm. What we were originally meant to be, which is all lies, and I don't, I don't think he realizes there's a separation between, like, Zaya and Hiden and humanity as a whole. Like, he just knows that the humans put that information, and that's what he was told that Yumagir are supposed- they want Yumagir to be. And he didn't get a choice in good or bad. So he's gonna use his bad to do good, and it's led him to make some kind of un- non- not super heroic sacrifices. Uh-uh. But also kind of some super heroic sacrifices in that, you know, he's by any means necessary and he was willing to, you know, sacrifice some other Yumagears, which is not great. No, no, not. Look, because we, again, he, we are not going to say that Horobi did nothing wrong. That's not no, us. But he, again, he's working off of very warped information where the only way he knows how to solve this problem is through violence. That's the only tool they gave him. I mean, it. But the will of the Ark was that he's gotta, you know, protect his people. And when Fua was coming at Jin, the will of the Ark put him in front of him. And we do kind of get that moment where he's in his own head the way Izu is when she's connecting with the satellite. And the Ark was awake at that point. But I, I still feel like there's a lot more to that where... You know, he's only processing the information that's already there. Yeah, because, I mean, the Ark isn't, I have to imagine, at least if it were me, if I was building a, 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 a big weird god satellite after one had crashed and burned and maybe caused a bunch of robots to, you know, murder a town, I would probably be like, okay, just in case that other one comes back online, it can't get back on the internet. It's, <laughs> no. So, like, he might just be interfacing, like you said, with his base programming again, the the source code of his existence. Yeah, it's 
And man, and that is that would that would walk him into kind of that Taiga moment for a redemption arc. Yeah. Which I think could also involve him, you know, once he gets out of being in his like Hannibal Lecter cage, maybe rebuilding his son. I, I and bringing his son back. I look forward to that. He he's maybe laying out what could potentially be one of my favorite redemption arcs in Common Rider, if that's where this is going and they can pull it off. Yeah, same. Because, I mean, look, again, not pumped about all the people, and please understand that in this context, I'm absolutely counting Humagears as people. You know, all the people he's manipulated and killed, not thrilled, but if his thing just is, all right, you made me to destroy, and I will enact my purpose upon the filth who wanted me to do it, because, I mean, let's face it, there's, if someone makes, if someone, like, made a living sapient weapon, kind of feel like, if it turns on them, you had it coming. <laughs> kind of kind of did that to yourself. Yeah. Um, Live by the sword, die by the sword. But that that's the sort of thing that would make him one of my favorite writers in a minute. Because, uh, again, not huge on the murder, but uh, that's the kind of like disgust and outrage I can get behind. Because, you know, I look at the world as it is and like, <laughs> if I, you know... Every now and again, you just see, you see, like, oh yeah, people doing terrible things, and a lot of people just like, hey, 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 the real problem is that we criticize the people doing the bad things. Aren't you just as bad as the Nazi if you call the Nazi a Nazi? Like, that's the sort of thing that makes me want to just flip out and kill all of humanity. So, uh, anyway, I just, I hope you're right, Sono, because that sounds like a redemption art I can get behind. And also... Uh, take a take a shot, everyone. Sounds you as hell. <laughs> it's it's so classically common writer, and it I can feel it. It just it feels right for him. Yeah, and like you say, it's classic common writer, and I I cannot fight you there because look, you know me. I love I I'm big on the common writer as failed monster school of of superhero and him being a repentant monster, which I feel like is, you know, if you're repentant or you have a face change, you're no longer a monster, so you fail to be a monster, so I'm here for it. Yeah, it's just it's like what if what if you took graphite and just made him pallid? Yeah, here for it. And that's that's what that's the thing I want. But speaking of, yes. I cannot wait for Yua to just lose it and snap Guy in half. Uh, yeah. When when Sakuyo turns into a Magyar, and she starts, you know, going out to be a common Rider and protect the people that are in danger, the look on her face when he, like, throws his arm out and stops her was, like, she was about to go wild. Yeah, she also very tired of being nice. Yeah, like, she... She doesn't like not being able to help, but one day, he's gonna ask her to hurt someone, and that's when he's the one that's gonna get hurt. I can feel that. Yeah. Again, like, we talk about subtle acting. I feel like she's pretty good, too, because she has a- She is- She has a hard road to hoe, because you have to- She has to be- It's like, okay, it might be a bit hyperbolic to compare it to Macbeth, but look- in, in this genre, she's basically doing Macbeth because she's a person with a bunch of human passions 
who is tamped down and pretending to be a machine, but that machine doesn't, but that machine has a purpose, and now she's being denied that purpose. Like, she's got so many cool levels going, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And, like, I just, again, it's going to be so good when she loses her stuff, because it's hard not to look at uh, Sakuyo's journey as a potential prelude to Yua's, because, again, Yua also frequently reads quite stiff, and then Guy is basically doing a low-key version of what Tachibana is doing, like, just denying her this thing, telling her she can't have it. He's not pushing her to the ground, but he's not not pushing her to the ground, you know? I mean, that bit where he sticks his arm out in front of her, he might as well be. Yeah, exactly. And if it can be her and Hirobi wrecking Guy's Ayaman's, like, I don't know, everything, I, I, like, if they can team up, that'd be good. I'd be, I'd be here for it. God, yes. Like, Fula can help, but, like, he doesn't need that as much, you know? Yeah, I mean, Fula, Fula doesn't need to fight Guy. He can fight some other Magyar. Look, there's he a... can fight some, like, human Magyar that are corrupted Look, or whatever. eventually, you just know that Zaya and the Ark have to, like, embody themselves. So there's gonna be Zaya form 01 and, like, Ark form villain. So, like, he, yeah. can, he can do that. He can have his big moment of catharsis getting rid of the idea of evil in the form of the Ark, but Yua and, and Hirobi, like, they, they can get Zaya, man. Aruto, I love Wait, you. You don't... Thouser is... Thouser is Aruto's, but Guy, he's Yua. And yes, there. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Like, we'll talk about Thouser as a suit in a little bit, because, mm. um, yep. you know, that's what we do in the whole section for that. But narratively, Thouser, I was furious when he just walks into the fight, transforms, and starts wailing on Aruto, and is able to dodge Shining Hopper. Yeah, that's- look, guys, again, this is why I say Superman can't win a race with a Flash. That's Flash's one thing. That's Shining Hopper's thing. That's why this upgrade exists. Come on now. And like, what is he accomplishing- by walking into this fight like this. What if Izu recorded that, like she does with our every single one of Aruto's fights, mm-hmm. and then leaked it to the media and was like, hey, Zaya's president is just out here beating up the dude who saved you all from terrorists for no reason. We don't know why, he just started doing this. Yeah. Also, he, we, were, hey, we were fighting to protect the people of the competition, and he just came out here and started hurting us. Yeah. Hey, also... The guy who's out there hurting people? Yeah, he's also the one who built the giant Gundams that tried to make the hospital into a bloodbath. Just saying. So, you know. Like, I wish she would. I wish she would do what Yua did and, like, be like, Yua did this, so it must be fair game. Mm-hmm. Like, drag that guy through the fire. He's not playing fair. He's never been playing fair. So you don't need to. Yeah, agreed. Like, honestly, she doesn't even need to ask Aruto. Like, hey, don't worry about it, boss. This is beneath you. You're the, you're the president. I'm your secretary. I'll handle it. And you can just slip it to the PR department. Or, or, the vice pres. Because, like, look, the vice pres might be more interested in stabbing Aruto in the back, but his being able to backstab the com- the competing, uh, the, the business competitors in service of keeping his job so that he can stab Aruto in the back later and show the board that he's got the savvy to run stuff. Like, I'm not saying that's a, that'd be a good deal for him and Izu, but uh, again, 
yes, I am actually saying that. I am saying that. Yeah. And I mean, like, and there's a degree to which at this point, he's not totally opposed to Aruto. He's still, his, you know, first and foremost is he wants the company to be running well. But he's he's kind of softened to Aruto a bit. And if he saw this dude being like, wailing on Aruto and the company, mm-hmm. kind of at the same time, he'd be like, oh no, we are taking this straight to every media outlet. Yeah, just, just end, just end the, buy out, just spend a good chunk of money, buy out some commercial time, run an ad that just ends with, guys, I am man, bad for business, bad for Japan, paid for by Hidden Industries. But you know, sure, it'd be a PR war, but I feel like Aruto did save, like, a lot of people, and one of the, if nothing else, he can always say, hey, man, like, remember that time when everyone thought I sucked and I revealed that this kid's dad actually saved as many people as he could during the twi- the Daybreak Town incident? Yeah, that wasn't even about me. I'm a man of the people. I want to help everyone. You know, on top of the fact that I literally put my life and body on the line on a daily basis to fight giant robots. I'm just- yeah, you seen this guy doing that? The only person he's fighting is me. Yeah. It's me. First person this dude comes out and fights me. Yeah. I, I'm trying to save everyone from the evil ro- from this robot that's gone berserk, so maybe it won't go berserk. Well, why didn't you just kill the evil robot? Because I thought I could fix it because you know what it costs to replace, any, to replace a human gear? Oh, yeah. It makes your... Sh- and the people who, who owned her? Their insurance premiums go up. You know, on top of the fact that she's actually a sapient being and I don't want her to die. I Honestly, I just... I want there to be just an episode where Aruto just goes, just spends 20 minutes doing, like, the inverse of a John Galt rant, where he's just, like, staring straight at the screen, like, intercut it with some clip show footage, and he's just like, hey, if you think human gears are just things you can own, here's the many reasons why you're wrong, and also a jerk. I admit that maybe it's just because I want to do that, because, um, again, very protective of robots. Speaking of that a little bit. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, thank I you. Transition into episode 18 off of that, because we are getting some interesting information on the way we've been restoring Yumagir up to now, um, and how this has kind of changed. And again, it's stuff that's kind of obvious. It's nothing that's been hidden from us. We've known that Yumagir that were hacked by Jin and Hirobi were getting kind of a square one reset back to nothing. Um, but Sakuyo, because her data wasn't hacked or damaged, is able to be restored from right before she went berserk. And I think it's an interesting distinction, given that, you know, Jin's claim of making Yumagir his friends through hacking stripped them entirely of their identity to a point of no return, while Yumagir finding that state through their own pain and betrayal and rage leaves them still able to return to who they were and work out the problem. And there's some messages about anger and abuse and manipulation in there, but I couldn't quite get there. Well, uh, if you don't mind, because I, I had some very similar feelings. Because I keep coming back to the thing we mentioned earlier on in our coverage, where uh, Jin and Hirobi kind of do the things that fascists or cults do, where they, they find young people at a point in their lives where they're figuring themselves out, they've got all their stuff going on, and then they swoop in and say, hey, what's up? Do you want to derail your life to become a part of this cult or this Nazi group? And and 
because at that point they make you a sacrifice or a foot soldier or just um a monster and they're about remaking you compared to the human gear expressing themselves here through just expressing their personhood through outrage yes they're mad but the anger isn't who they are it's a part of being a person and once they're done being mad or or the the source of the anger gets resolved they can just go back to being the person they are because they didn't have their life derailed they're just you know justifiably angry about something and also okay i love that that this is the thing that we that we've touched on here because like look yes we're talking about anger as a scary force and it is but we're all the show is also saying that it's a real thing that exists for a real reason and is fair and is sympathetic because i i just can't help but wonder if there's not something to the fact that they have uh, a working class woman or a a human gear that represents a working class woman who is pushing up against a high status well respected well connected man and everyone sharing those connections with him are so upset that someone they're supposed to be able to hurt might want to push back against them because they're all happy like that's pretty good for a robot or which in the same tone like look i don't like doing a direct one-to-one you know robots as marginalized populations but it's kind of what they're doing here so like oh yeah this is pretty good flower arrangement for a woman like it's that kind of thing and and like she takes it and takes it and takes it and then she just gets tired of being nice this this is where you've articulated the thing that i could not get to well you know we're that yeah very simpatico that yeah just mm, just uh, and look i I really like that 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 that's a thing the show is just like, hey, ladies who get talked down to, if you want to wreck a dude, uh, common Rider's on your side. As you know, he should be. Yes. Um, okay, so I've got another another thought. All right, all right. Well, I'm still strapped in from last time. Let's go. So, I thought this was going to be my big one, but then I came up with that other one, and I'm way more invested in that, but... <laughs> Um, because I'm way more invested in Hirobi than I am in Guy, and this is a Guy theory. Well, you know, it, but, we, we but can't I've love had, all the villains. I've had a couple of people propose over the course of this show that some of our human hero cast might secretly be Yumagir, much like how Emu was secretly part Bugster back in X8, and we had that, you know, Emu is pallid reveal that we somehow totally missed. <laughs> I still... I, I will always respect Yuya and and whoever did the costuming and the directors on X8 for for blindsiding me with that because they did it in such a way where you're just like, oh, of course. And we just spent the next, I don't know, how many years just like, ah! I'm sorry, go on, though. And they've presented me some very solid facts as to why they think that's going on. And I'm not going to, you know, tell them that they're just wrong and that it can't be that because it might be. What do I know? I don't know where this show is going. I'm not the writer. We didn't see Pallet coming. Grains of salt. We, we, we sure didn't. But um, I've been really resistant to the idea, personally. Uh, I am too. Um, Just Because to me, it feels like it undercuts the show's overall theme of humans learning to accept Yuma gear as people and live alongside them instead of fighting over this class divide. 
And I feel like we have to come to the end of the show with Aruto, Fua, and Yua all as humans who had different perspectives on Yumagir, accepting that Yumagir are as much of a person as any of them are for the, the show's moral to kind of land the way that I want it to and the way that I think the show wants it to. Big same, because uh, it's like that same thing of watching Blade Runner being like, oh, is Harrison Ford a replicant? And the point of, like, the way I've been watching Blade Runner, and I, I want to say the point, but eh, fair, it's a different, you know, different takes for different people. A lot of people think Harrison Ford's the good guy in that movie. Can you believe that? But, like, the point is, is, is that it doesn't matter if he was a replicant, because the replicant-human divide is artificial. So if they brought that into this show, they'd be, they'd be reifying in the mechanics of the universe. Oh yeah, human gears aren't people. Or you have to be a human gear to appreciate and sympathize with a human gear. And that's, that's nonsense. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't sit right with I it. shouldn't say nonsense, it's just, I disagree with that theory. It, it also does not yeah, sit well with me. Sorry. Just with with the with what I feel the overall narrative is going for, it doesn't personally sit right with me. However, however, that would not be true for Amatsu Guy. Oh, is that his name? Okay. Guy is Guy is the villain. Yes. He doesn't need to come out the other side seeing the moral for what it is. In fact, and especially in a Yuya work, warping that moral beyond recognition to the point where the heroes have to kind of wrestle with it to sort it back to truth that's kind of the way he does things that's kind of the point of a villain in a yuya story mm. as far as i can tell i mean i've only i only know one of well, them but it, that is what he did yeah um where guy has expressed multiple times that ai and robotics should heavy quotes here evolve humanity and that humanity shouldn't live alongside it mm. Pairing this with the fact that he has not aged at all in 12 years and claims to be eternally 24 when he is actually 45, but that he also still seems jealous of Aruto's youth. Like, he is viscerally jealous yeah, of Aruto's youth when he is called out on this. Long story short, fam, I think this jerk might have put his brain in a robot body. Yeah, I, I confess I had a very similar thought, so I think you might be onto something there. Because in the run-up to the Eternally 24 thing, I just, I leaned over to my partner and it's just, hey, I'm going to put even odds on that he's going to turn out to be a human gear. Because just something in it screams for it. And I'm not entirely sure what it is yet, but something in it. But, and, and look, even if he doesn't, I appreciate how well they've basically made him into a different kind of non-human thing. Because... In that bit, I realized that he is the human avatar of a corporation. Not just, like, the figurehead. He is Zaya Japan. Because, like, look, throughout the show, he doesn't do things that humans do. But he definitely does things that corporations do. Like, he doesn't age and is continually renewed. You know, the way a corporation will remake or rebrand themselves again and again and again. And also, never die. See just the Pepsi logo. Just look at that from the last 50 years. It's the same. It never changes, but it's always changing. It's always young. It's always fresh. It's always the choice of a new generation. And he talks about evolving people and never, never 
trust anyone who talks like that's a thing because it it's not a thing and it is and the or rather yes yes evolving humanity in an active way is a thing it's usually called eugenics but also while he's talking about eugenics and evolving him in evolving humanity he doesn't want to evolve he doesn't want to change for a guy who makes a supposed human upgrade that we're all supposed to use, that you just put on your glasses, and it makes you however many times better at your job, have you ever seen him wear one? No, That's a... because he wouldn't need to yeah. if he's in a robot body, because it's already in there. Exactly. If he's, if he's not actually a human brain in a robot body, he might as well be, because that dude is not a... he's not a human. I'm not saying he's not a person, he's definitely a person, and a very bad one, who needs to get his face kicked in, but he's still a person. Aside from how horrifyingly right you are about the eugenics thing, don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, no. Just think about everyone in Common Rider who has wanted to evolve humanity, and look at who that points you to. Spoiler alert, it's all bad guys. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, look... It's Ryube. It's Gamo. It's the it's... great leader. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the thing the villains want to do. It, look, here's the thing about eugenics. It is the nice PR spin version of finding ways to not have to share the planet with other people because they're not you. Eugenics mm -hmm. is what you call it when, oh no, I'm not going to shoot this guy in the head because he's poor. Goodness, no! I'm going to shoot him in the head because he's not productive and his genes are bad. How do I know that? Because he's poor. <laughs> it's the same thing, just with more steps. Because the more steps there are, the easier it is to say, oh no, I'm not shooting someone in the head. I'm just culling the gene. Which, you know, not at all a thing as supervillains. No, rather not a supervillain. Supervillains don't bother pretending. It's just a thing a villain says. Or not even a villain. A thug. A minion. A mook. That's why that's why again in Common Rider One the movie, we we see that we see like the mooks, the, the shocker mooks, just at a bar, and they can only keep speaking in E, 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 because they can't talk to normal people anymore, because they've accepted the fascist logic. Common Rider is only barely a symbol, is what I'm saying. <laughs> barely yeah, a, a metaphor. Bit. Um, hey, all those people so, who talk about evolving humanity through whatever means, uh, kick them in the face. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sony, you were, you were about to continue on with the actual subject at hand. I just, I'm very excited by how much this show speaks to me. So, I love the little confrontation between Yua and Fua, and how explicitly it calls back to Fua's kind of almost playful promise to win when Yua has to betray him in order to save her when they were still teammates, and how much that contrasts the tone of the actual event as it's happening. Uh-huh. So, seriously, that, like, as a writing moment, everyone's acting, the shots. How that scene was in daylight, and, you know, they both kind of smile and no one's really that tense, and then it happens, and they have to confront the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Like, Fua's more hurt by this betrayal than he lets on, and certainly more than he expected to be, since, you know, like, he was kind of brushing it off, kind of in this way, like, 
it's never really gonna happen, but then it happened. Uh-huh. And I doubt that he expected the inciting incident for feeling betrayed to be you were repairing the Yumagir whose death brought him closure. Little things. And it's it's hurting Yua that she has to actually fight Fua. And I think it's clear in how heavily she, during their fight, she is fighting on the defense instead of actually trying to hurt him. And how scared for Fua she looks when Guy busts out the Thousand Driver. Uh-huh. Because I think we can all agree, if she's fighting serious, uh, that boy is gone, right? Yeah. Like, she did not intend to actually... She, like, wanted... She wanted to lose. Yeah. She lost on purpose. Yeah, it's it's the, uh, what I've called the Batroc principle. I'm not here to beat him. I'm here to fight him. Fighting him makes it... It it stalls the thing we're trying to stall. There. That's what, that's what she's doing. She wants to fight him. She doesn't want to beat him. Well, she also... She wants to lose. True. So that he can get her out of this. Because she doesn't want to be in Zaya. She doesn't want to be following what Guy is doing. She's not having Guy a good time. No. And, like, Fua's probably the only person within the show that she's got some actual trust in at this point. And I think she's been trying to skate around this for as long as possible. And I honestly thought she'd be doing it for a little longer. But, you know, Yua having to watch Guy thrash Fua so thoroughly, even though, again, I'm still very mad that Bowser can just brush off attacks from upgrade suits, <laughs> Like, it seemed to really shake Yua, and she starts to go to Fua, probably to help him and call an ambulance, until he calls her away. And I have to imagine she probably called an ambulance for him anyway, kind of in secret. Oh yeah, but still, like... (laughs) And, you know, look, in fairness to her, it's not like being wrecked has ever stopped him from doing something stupid. No, it has not. But I just, I really think that with all of this piling up on her, she's going to snap sooner rather than later. And now that we've tied her into being the one who fixed Hirobi, we might see a two-for-one redemption arc on the horizon. I'm I'm okay with that. Though, suddenly, I am sad that she is a cheetah instead of being a fox. Because, like, look, she could still do the speed stuff. Because, you know, foxes, they're pretty agile things. But, look... It's just there's that old fable, and and there there might be mix-ups as far as animal associations go, because I've heard a few different versions of it, and I don't know the, the, the folk tales in Japan, but I just really want to see them play out a version of Fox and the Scorpion and then just take it a step further, because we could start with him just poisoning her, and there'd just be like a, yeah, I'm a scorpion and I hate humans. Of course I was going to sting you. But then later on, we see a bit that he where he's avoided stinging her because he is more than the sum of his parts. We we take the fable, we go a step beyond it because, yeah, in the fable it's well, yeah, you you rode with a scorpion, even though it said it wasn't going to sting you. Of course, it's going to sting you. It's a scorpion. But then we can have him not do it, and it'd be amazing. You have no idea the degree to which I want. Exactly the thing you just said. I mean... Specifically that. I mean, like, you're probably correct, because, you know, I don't live in your head, I don't know your life, but I do know that you like heroic scorpions, and also Hirobi, and I think you would definitely enjoy 
Hirobi getting a chance to be the heroic scorpion, especially since he's like an anti-heroic scorpion, and we haven't had one of those yet. Yeah. I mean, I guess there was God. there was Scorpio, but he was more of like a villain who but didn't face her. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, it doesn't count. Like, he literally redeemed himself in the middle of dying. Yeah. He didn't even die in his cool monster form. He had a really cool monster form. But then, if you've got that yeah, dude... Yeah, but also, also that guy's real pop. Yeah, I mean, I was just about to say, like, he got them, he got them cheekbones, man. I think, mm, he's a... Anyway, <laughs> but, like, look... Um, oh, go on. Yeah, no, no, hey, I'm just ahead. saying that, that even without a face turn on, on, like, Yua or Hirobi's part, I'm just, I am really looking forward to Yua getting to wreck Thouser. Not even, not... Valkyrie wrecking Thouser. Yua. Just that she knows her tech well enough, and one day she just decides she's had enough, and she just turns off his suit, and then kicks him in the face. I want her to just bust out her phone and turn it off. Yeah. Just mid-fight. <laughs> mid-fight. Just, the suit shuts off. And, like, guy's, like, freaking out, and he looks back at her, and she's just standing there, no expression. And Hirobi just, like, walks up, just up the hill from behind her, and she just turns and is like, well, have at it. And, and, and like, the next episode, they basically have to pull a build or, like, a late X-Aid, and, I don't know, bring in some aliens or something, because otherwise, the show is going downhill from that moment. Let's be real. Yeah, it's just... If that was like, hey, boss, um, I'm sick of you. Badoop. Where's my suit? Oh, I'd worry less about where your suit is and more where Hirobi is. What do you mean? Then he just walks up. Ah, ah I, I know we we try we shouldn't fanfic so much, but the show makes no, me so excited. Gets, I'm I'm, I love the two of them so much, and I want them like in this horrible cahoots to just wreck this dude. Yeah, cause uh, guys, I am man. Yeah, he sucks real bad. I, I know we're supposed to hate him because he's he's the villain, and he's you know he's an embodied corporation. Also, it occurs to me that since he's wearing all that white, after fashion, he's kind of a rich white man. I I, I know that's a stretch. That is such a stretch. But also, I'm not. Uh, I don't like a lot of rich white guys, even as a white guy myself. Like I. I'm just saying, like, I, I really look forward to something really bad happening to him. He, The guy playing him, also good, because he plays that that self-assured smugness of, like, yeah, of, like, a 45-year-old in a young and or robot body. Real good! <laughs> I I just... Anyway, I'm going to move on from all the bad things I want to have happen to him. And I just got the... The bit of, of Sakio pouring her heart out about people reflecting their nature in floral design, and that she, these are all ideals she learned that led to her singularity from the same person who betrayed her. Oh, a kick in the teeth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you mentioned Forza earlier, and it is that. It is that. Because she learned how to have a heart from the guy who tried to break it, and just... That sucks. But also, it was also a really great way for us to talk about the value of art. Because too often, the the how can I exploit this, how can I make money on this ethos just 
overwhelms everything. And I just like taking a couple episodes to talk about how what we create comes from us, and it's real, but also it's mutable, and we could be better if only we showed ourselves the kinds of care we showed our art, while at the same time remembering that the art is not us, and that the lo- that other people's love of that art is not adulation of us, but of the art. Just, there's, these episodes managed to convey this really interesting balance of taking pride in your achievements, but not confusing the rewards for your achievements with the achievements themselves. And it's just a very good philosophy of, of creating and honestly of living. It's just beautiful. Sorry, I just... There's just a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Here. You know, y'all know me, if, if we can talk about philosophies of art, I will just, I will fall over. I'll just fall over myself to praise it, because I'm all about it unless they have bad philosophy, in which case I will just spend an hour telling you why. Anyway, moving on, because we've probably already spent an hour. Yes, more than. Um, okay, so we've, we've also got the introduction of this mysterious hooded figure slapping Magyar belts on you. Yeah! And playing this sort of backwards Hirobi by claiming they're kind of like a guide for humanity or something. I forget what exactly they said. But man, I am excited by their presence. Me too. Me too. They just seem wildly cool. And I like this shift in the threat. And it opens a lot of doors to interesting stories to be able to have both Yumagir reach this berserk state on their own, but also have these human Magir. Just, I'm really, I'm really hoping, hoping, hoping so hard that this person is the bow in Metsubo Jin Rai, and that that person is also Shesta. Please let her be the one who decided to muck about with the humans because she's so sick of having to serve the most venal, frustrating man on the face of the earth. She's just so tired of us, and she just wants to turn us into rampaging robot monsters. Like, I do hope that we're not consistently getting both throughout this, like, Hiden versus Zaya competition chunk of plot, mm. but I do like that we've introduced both as options, so we've got a lot to play with going forward. Yes. Um, like, this was a good way to introduce both, I just hope we aren't consistently getting both one side and the other for four more competitions. Yeah, that could uh, that could drag. Um, I also hope that being a human Magyar is directly linked to, like, having a Zaya spec and having that hacked so you're, like, literally having your brain hacked so that guy, so that guy has to face some heat from the public and the media. I mean, he already should be because, like you said, the Gigar happened at all. <laughs> But, you know, maybe that this will finally push that over the edge since it's not at all tied to Heaton. Yeah, and it really should, because his extra evil Google Glass seems to prime you to be part of a murder machine in service of corporate warfare, and, I mean, I mentioned at the top, possibly just regular warfare. And suddenly I wonder if this is not about Guy Zayaman just doing his best to do an end run around Heaton as far as entering the military field. Because, look, I know this is completely out of left field, but I can't help but wonder if dude is basically building techno-cybernetic amphetamines to wire into people's heads, which, you know, conveniently also makes the user into part of a rampaging weapon. And, uh, anyway, I'm just saying, if, if Heaton isn't 
taking this to PR and doing some dirty pool, which, I mean, honestly, no more dirty than anything Zion Man's doing. I kind of feel like they're doing a disservice not only to their shareholders, but to the entire freaking world. Because there's a time to roll over and take the higher ground, and it's not when the other guy says, yeah, you take the high ground, I'll take the low. In the event that Shesta isn't evil, I do hope that, like, she's just doing that in the background. Like, you know, Izu's just, like, forwarding footage to her, and she's just, you know, she's gonna hit up all the media outlets, and as it all comes out, we just see her, like, off to the side with a little smile, like, ha ha, he then wins again, suckers, and then just goes back to doing what she's doing. Like, if not her, then I hope Izu's doing it, but, like, as much as I'm down for, like, Shesta being the last part of Metsubo Jinrai, I kind of want her to just also be like, oh no, like, Izu's gonna take this personally, but I'm here for business. Yes, that, I, I have to say, if she's just like, oh no, I'm just distributing these, uh, the Raid Risers, just to make sure that, uh, Zaya just tanks when it comes out. Though... You mentioned Izu, and a part of me is wondering, okay, so you know the red-eyed Izu in the opening? She's got slightly longer hair. Yeah. And I'm just, I don't know why this made me think of it, but it just, I have begun to wonder if it's not going to turn out that Ark is going to make its own Izu, and that's what's been making the human Magir, Huma Magir. That would be a much better version of the Black Laws and White Laws plot. Oh, Waz. I'm glad everyone liked him. I'm so I'm so glad he managed to carry that whole show. Again, that's why they had to make his upgrades his upgrade form have them big old shoulder pads. So uh one one last thing that I thought was really good was Arto going into complete panic over Tachibana becoming a Magier. That was a really nice touch that he understands the implication of a human becoming a Magir a little more than anyone else does. Or if everyone else is realizing, he's the one that cares. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, he should be having that reaction. Like, his reaction, if I'm being real, should be about where everyone else starts, because that dude did a robot body horror, and he's not a robot. Where did all those robot bits come from that came out of his face? Just, it's a nightmare. Beating a Magyar means the Yumagir has to blow up and then be remade from a data backup mm. into a new body. Yeah. That's kind of how it Easy works. Easy peasy. Just, hey, we got a new hard drive, put it in a new shell. It's fine. We have all the, we just duplicated all your settings. It's fine. You can't do that with a human. So as far as he can see, beating a human Magyar would mean blowing up a person uh-huh. and taking a person's life permanently. And this child, this literal, like, yeah, he's like 18 year old. Yeah, dude, whatever he is, yeah. He is very clearly not prepared for that. Yeah. And it was an incredible bit of acting on Aruto's part. It really was. And then later, uh, when when he's in the suit, and Yuya Nawada is trying to fight the human Magir, and, like, they drive home so well that they don't want to fight this guy. Which also makes Thouser's approach to everything that much more just freakishly frightful. Because he don't care. Also, like, 
with the, the introduction of the human Magir, because, like, I've had, you know, I've had a little niggling thing about, like, hey, we're still blowing up all the, all the Magir, and that sucks. Because, you know, they're people. Sure, you're putting them in new bodies, but eh, you're kind of resetting them from a while ago, and that sucks. But adding in human Magir? Okay, I know that this is... We're going to be making a lot of these comparisons, and I'm about to make one in, in our next section, I know, because I need to, but this is, this is the first one of the new era. This is the Kuga of, of the Rewa era, and like, hey, we're bringing in the specter of, man, I don't want to have to murder somebody, but also, there's a non-zero chance he might have to, which, uh, yikes, because I, I remember back in Build, how well they got us with like, oh yeah, you killed another soldier in war, dude, that's what wars are, but like, that's, that's like, that's a dude who's kind of not great at connecting with people to begin with. What's Arto going to do? And also, how is Zaya going to spin it like, oh, hey, yeah, sure, sure. Arto's Eden's common rider. It stopped the villain by murdering a human. Seriously, they need to, they need to work on their PR, is what I'm saying. Anyway, um, I feel like that's most of the thoughts on the show, on the episodes themselves, because, uh, yeah, so. real good. <laughs> Intense. Uh, yeah, and, lot there. Yeah, which you know that's been the that's been what I like about zero one. There's a lot to dig into. Um, but speaking of things to dig into, this is not one of my better segues. Uh, let's dig into our new suit roundup because I, I think we also had the the human Magir, but you know it's it fine. I like that. I mean, it, I mean, it was it was a good Magir suit. Yeah, was... I like that it kind of had uh instead of eyes, it had like glass slit like, glasses lenses. I don't know if that's a thing they're going to keep up with. I hope they do for the human Magir. Because, you know, they all have to wear the Google Glass. Boy, speaking of products, I'm glad never, like, gained the popularity you worried they might. Anyway, uh, but let's talk about Common Rider Thouser, because, boy, we've been dancing around that one. Okay, so I mentioned that I hate the Thouser driver. Fair. Which I do. That hasn't changed. It's still ugly and bulky, and its name is stupid. You ain't wrong. But Bowser is kind of a good suit. Yeah. The sort of muted gold with the black and silver and then the dark purple accents, that's a good color scheme, and it's got these really clean lines, and the armored bits themselves are not super bulky. And when the belt opens, it's a little less bulky and kind of matches the color scheme of the suit. It's a good-looking rider. Even if I just want to see it get absolutely wet. Yeah, just just punt it into the sun so that it can get eaten by Phoenix. But like, okay, I know I mentioned Kuga earlier, and I probably don't need to keep bringing up Kuga, but look, he's got, he's got, he's covered in gold, he's got five horns, he's black, he's white, he's, he's the respectable young man to Aruto's kind of weird little punk like, he's corporate Daguba. Oof, yeah. Alternately, is. like, corporate the ultimate darkness, which, you know, kind of a redundancy, but there you go. Yeah, a little, little bit of uh, tomato tomato. Yeah, but still, uh, it's, it adds a lot if you watch him as corporate Daguba, because at least that explains why he's able to just shrug everything off. It's also, uh, you know, explains him being this weird, immortal 
gross. Exactly. Look, if they turn around and just if the end of the show is that corporations are the new Grongi and the economy is the new Gegadu, I want it on record. I'm here for it. Because yeah. look, you couldn't like. I just made that up off the top of my head, but y'all know it fits. I do, however, as much as Thouser itself is a nice-looking suit, I hate his sword, and I hate the whole Jack Rise Oof. thing, and it hijacking other Progrise keys. It's thematically appropriate to Guy, but it feels really lazy. Like, there's nothing visual to it. The sword doesn't change. Yeah, it's just like it does... For the... when he stole Fua's, you got the little wolf head, but you didn't get that when he did it with anything else. Yeah, no, and he just, like, pulls the plunger out of the bottom and, like, okay, it's a cute roleplay toy, but... Eh. It's just... It's it's boring and uninteresting. Like, it's not even visually interesting. No, it really isn't. Also, like, okay... This is this is such a stupid complaint, but I keep having to hear Jack as a verb, and I need them to stop. It makes it very difficult to talk about. Because again, again, like I know that this is this is a language thing, and it you know it does sound pretty cool if the only association you have is like carjacking or a hijacking. But for those who don't know, like it is also uh, it's also a, a it's, it's a euphemism. It's a little bit of a lewd yeah, thing. It's it's a lewd English. euphemism. There we go. But again, like I just I wish it would have had a better name, like, even if they're gonna keep the, the stupid like the, the plunger thing, which like don't. Like you could do better. You guys are smarter than He's a high technology guy. Couldn't he just like I don't know, like put a patch or something on you and he just gets it that way? Or he's got like a dummy one and he just copies it? I don't know. Give him a thing to do that's not just the, I touch your belt and then I pull the thing. Make him do, a, I don't know, like a deno? Like he scans your pass and now he has it and something. I don't know. Or even if just like when he did it, there was a thing on, I know, I don't, the reason they're not doing this is because I don't know how they would make it work as a toy, mm. like physically on the toy. But if that little like purple square that shows that he's got the power in it, if that, like, changed to the face of the progress yeah, key, like that, even, like, that would be well, look, something. Especially, even, it wouldn't be enough, but it would be something. Yeah, just, also, if they could just, like, if they could make it have some, some long-term thing, because, like, okay, like, he hijacks the power, but he doesn't. He, like, draws it out, he copies it for a sec, but they still have it. Like, I really would have liked it this to be, like, him corporate acquisitioning someone else's stuff just yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna exploit oh i'm sorry i mean steal oh i'm sorry i mean uh acquire forcibly your progress key well no but it still works for me i'm sorry you're no longer authorized i'm the only one who's authorized like something like that at least then it'd have a cool story thing but as yeah and see that would be interesting because then Fua would be able to fight yeah. it and then it's all cuz his whole thing is he doesn't care he's authorized yeah. and and like also that would add in some more of that O's stuff and like look I know that this show isn't O's and it doesn't need to be O's but I also like when there's a lot of like oh no I need to have this one thing that I need to fight that oh but the only guy who's got it is Zayaman, and he uh, sucks real bad. So what are we going to do? Like, just give it something to do. And like you said, Fua don't care. 
Uh, yeah, uh, that like, would be Fua, a- Fua doesn't care that he's not authorized. Yua can give herself authorization again, and Hirobi is just forcibly circumvents authorization. So the three of them would be able to get around it, and then Aruto would need some kind of new upgrade, and that's how we move to the next film. Yeah, it'd be great. Look, I write it yeah, for you, Toei. It's elegant, and it took us no time at all. Just... I just I just want it to be more visually interesting. Yeah. Is really all I want, because it's visually incredibly dull. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Especially since it'd be great if there was a bit where... Like, as part of the hijacking, like, okay, he forcibly ejects Fua's, Fua just turns back into himself, and he just looks down at it, looks down at the gun. And, and you know, he, guy, guy has a thing like, huh, I just took your authorization, I hijacked your authorization, you can't use it anymore. And he just like, crack! No one tells me when I can be a wolf. I'm a furry. Click. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Like, even if when he, like, pulled the plunger back, so they wouldn't have to, like, put the progress key on the toy or anything, if he pulled the plunger back and, like, the big CGI wolf, like, came out, yeah. or, like, the big the big CGI animal from when they transformed. Yeah, whatever it is. Like, I know that you got the- you get the wolf head when he did the attack after stealing it from Fua, but that was the only time we saw anything like that when he's used mm. it. Other times we haven't had that, and it's just- it's really visually boring watching him just, like, touch the sword to someone and then pull the plunger back and then go, like, swing the sword at someone. There's nothing interesting. Yeah, no, there really isn't. Which, I mean, look, I, I guess I appreciate that because, like, it it does kind of highlight how he sucks real bad, but also... Yeah, but speaking oh, of... Oh, okay. Um, there's, one, there's one more thing about this suit. The presented by Zaya when he transforms, and the copyright Zaya on all of his attacks made me absolutely lose my mind. It's so awful, and I hate it. It's perfect. Yes. It is absolutely perfect, but it makes me so angry. Yeah, no, big save. Big save. It is, it is infuriating. It needs to be yes. there. It is absolutely the best design decision they could have made, but it makes me so angry. Yeah, like, it makes me hate him even more than I already did, which, like, you know, impressive. Because it, it also really feeds into my he-is-a-living-corporation thing, because he doesn't have a rider kick. He, he doesn't have a soul. He just has catchphrases that identify who possesses him. Copyright Zaya, presented by Zaya. It's so sinister. Which, you know, it should be. But also, boy, you just, you just like, every time, every time you notice the copyright Zaya down in the corner, you're just like, you say some stuff that we don't say on this show. Uh, and uh, do we have any final thoughts? Because I had kind of a rambly bit, if you don't um, mind. No, just wrap yeah. us up. Um, so, okay. So there is obviously a lot that we could and have, but still could go on about in these episodes, and it'd be real easy for us to just keep going. Um, but I just wanted to loop back around real quick to expand on an earlier point, and say that I'm extremely here for the show taking a couple episodes, even if it's only just these two episodes, which I hope it's not, but even if it was, 
to just push back against the idea that you have to keep your affect cool and your vocabulary inside a certain register or whatever in order to be good or okay or reasonable or whatever. Because your tone of voice doesn't make you more or less right, more or less civil. Frustrating, boring people like to laugh and mock the idea of being upset by things. You know, the, the are you offended crew. And, and as if it's unreasonable or bad to react to things with anything but detached smugness. And, like, if you live in the world, it's hard to be detached. And if you're upset and sad or hurting, it's hard to be smug. Indeed, I, I think there's an argument to be made that in these episodes, they basically made the villain, not in this case purely out of late-stage capitalism but instead out of entrenched, frequently in invisible structures of power and privilege. Who gets the benefit of the doubt in these episodes? Uh, the guy who we see cheated, not the woman whose livelihood and possible, like, continued existence he's messing with. Who has to ask for a rematch before it's made after he's been outed as a cheater? Not the woman, not the wronged woman who, again, she, she still has a job on the side as far as we know. But instead, it's a couple rich guys and the cheater himself who get to say, yeah, sure, let's have a rematch. Who is believed to be competent in their art before they're shown anything? Not the working student in the art who listened to the advice of a respected grandmaster in the field, believing that he had her best interest at heart. But instead, the guy who intentionally sabotaged the work over someone over whom he wished to exert influence for the purpose of winning a mere competition instead of, like, you know, showing his art. If you watch the show, you will never see him literally, rather, uh, if you watch the show, you will never see him literally force her to listen to him. That's fair. That's true. You never see him say, I hate robots because I'm so evil. You only ever see him use force when his privilege can no longer protect him from the knowledge of who and what he is. And even then, after going on a big old rampage that he could have just as easily not gone on since everyone already thinks his competition is an unstable rage monster, instead of going to jail after his rampage, he just gets to go back to his swanky pad and reconnect with his art. Like, not to get too dark, but if that's not, like, the backlash to to what we are now calling the, the Me Too movement in a nutshell, I don't know what is. A bunch of really rich dudes get to just go home with some mild shame that no one even pays attention to, and then a little later they just come back. And, like, look, don't get me wrong, I like a face turn. I like I I enjoy in my superheroic media recognizing that it's it doesn't have to be too late and it's better to be good to people than bad. I like when the bad guy can learn their lesson, but at the same time, boy, the narrative about how it's more important that the bad guy learn his lesson than like I don't know, make restitution or not be a jerk in the first place. It's just kind of the perfect expression of the concept of privilege in action, isn't it? And, like, I I do hope the kids at home pick up on it, because, like, if you want to explain why people like Guy's Iron Man exist, it's because of those kinds of entrenched structures of privilege and, and like, who gets the benefit of the doubt.
So, um, yay, white family entertainment. Yeah. Hey, guess what? If you ever want, if you ever want to tell us to keep politics out of your common writer, um, you need to stop listening. You probably should have stopped listening a long time ago. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's a bit late at this point. How did you, how did you get? How did you get through us covering this? <laughs> right. Oh. How did you get through like two shows before this and still make it here? Yeah. If, we are not subtle about our yeah, policies. If, How did you get through? Like, I've been on this show since Drive. <laughs> we were not quiet about it then. No, no, we were not. Just, you know, like, I, you know, it's it's a rhetorical thing, because I'm pretty sure if you're still here, you're probably pretty much on our, like, I'm not saying you're necessarily on our side, but at the very least, you don't mind listening to it. So, uh, you know, if you disagree... Good on you for being able to listen to uh, someone else's point of view, especially when we are not, like, interested in defending it in the marketplace of ideas, good sir. No, we will not hashtag debate you. I'm just, I'm very excited for where all of this is going. I really love the new stuff being introduced. I like the potential that everything has. I tend to be kind of wary when we hit a turning point. Mm, Understandably. But I'm still pretty hype. I really like what's going on. I think it's still very in line with the heart of the show and what it wants to say. And I think we're only kind of, I think the show's just kind of doubling down on itself, but in a good way this time. Mm. Well, yeah. Looking at you, Zio. <sighs> Poor Zio. I, I, like, I feel bad for Zio because that's the one that we're just going to be dunking on for the longest time. Look, it's only been, like, four months. No, I, yeah. Gaiman Drive have been dealing with this from us for years. It's true. They deserve the break. Yeah, you know, you, you make an excellent point. And on that note, uh, what do you, what do you say we, we call this one a close? Yeah. All right, so uh, for all of us here at the Toe Network and the Uncommon Cast RX, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sam. And rise up, proletariat. And also don't get kicked by a horse and die.